You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Well, good morning, church fam. Good to see you all. Thanks for being here today. We started a series just last Sunday called Change My Mind. And so if you weren't here, We'll catch you up just a little bit. If you were here last week, I'll give you a little reminder of what we talked about. We started off with this statement. Every step toward godliness and every step toward sin begins with a thought. So every step toward godliness. This week, let's say you want to choose to to be godly in your words, godly in your actions, godly in your reactions, godly in your attitude. It's going to take a thought first to take a step toward godliness. The same is going to be true this afternoon, this week, this coming weekend. If you're going to take a step towards sin, toward unrighteousness, toward godlessness, if you're going to move toward that, it's going to begin with with a thought. In other words, you never stumble into godliness. You don't just wake up some morning and go, man, how did I get here? I'm godly. This is amazing. It was thoughts that that brought you there toward that step step of godliness. The same is true. You never just wake up someday and go, man, how did I end up in all this sin? It was a thought that led to a step that moved into an action. In other words, godliness is premeditated. Sin is premeditated. Godliness requires a forethought. Sin requires a forethought. Let me show you that. Uh, Would you just lift your left hand for me real quick? Left hand up. Okay, left hand back down. So something really weird happened just then. I asked you to lift your left hand and then pretty quickly to put it back down. For those of you who lifted your left hand, you actually heard what I said, then you had a thought in your mind, and then all of a sudden that thought turned into an action. Let me just tell you what what happened just then. Some of y'all, I said, lift your left hand, and immediately you thought to yourself, it sounded like he just said, lift your left hand, but he never asked us to lift our left hand in church, so certainly I just misunderstood him. Some of y'all thought, I'm going to lift my hand only if someone else lifts their left hand. Now, those type of people, you need to really think through that a little bit, right? Like, I'm not about to lift my left hand until I see someone else lift their left hand. Some of y'all took a while to think, now, which one's my left hand again? Like, you had to do that whole L thing, you know, okay, this is my left hand. By the time you finally decided which one your left hand was, it was too late. We'd already lowered them. Some of you are like, I'm Baptist. I never lift my hands in church. And so you just kind of left your hand down uh, the entirety of the time. Some of y'all, y'all did it. Like you went for it. You're the overachiever. You ain't scared. Like your left hand just went up in the air and went right back down. Some of you refused to lift your left hand. I watched you. You're like, no, you, you're not going to make me lift my left hand. I don't have to do what you just said. Some of you are like, I am not doing that. But you know what that required? A thought. It was a very rebellious thought, but it was the thought that you had. I'm not going to do what that guy just said. I mean, that action that some of y'all participated in, or really the thought that some of y'all had that's going to make you not participate in that, it always requires a thought. There's never action without a thought. That bears repetition. There is never an action without a thought. So you never make a decision toward action or toward behavior without first thinking about it, even if just for a second. The second thing we looked at last week, I think this is hugely important, is simply this. There's greater victory in moving from think, do, to think, stop, do, or don't do. I'll explain that. Most of us have a pattern in our lives where we just think about something and we do it. 
We, we think about saying something and, and we say it. We think about our response and we respond. We think about an attitude and we have that attitude. That's how most of us operate. And really in the world, we've kind of gotten really good at just thinking about something and we just do it. Sometimes what we do is not of God. Sometimes what we say is not of God. Sometimes our, our attitudes, our actions, our behaviors are not of God. And so what we're trying to do, even during this series, is, is hopefully by the grace of God, learn to step back instead of just being a think-do type of people, we're a think-stop. Stop. I'm going to take that thought to Jesus. I'm going to take that thought to God's word and get a green light first from him or from the word of God. And then I might do, you might hear from the Lord or see in God's word, yes, this is a godly word. This is a godly action. This is a godly behavior. This is a godly attitude. This is a godly response. So what if by God's grace, we learn to be a people who weren't just think, do people, but think, stop. Now, should I do this or should I not do this? Well, we got that from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. You see on the screen behind me, it says that we destroy arguments. That word arguments means a justifying of our own behavior, the justifying of our own godless patterns. We destroy arguments. We destroy every lofty opinion which speaks of our arrogance. Anything that's raised up against the knowledge of God which speaks of anything that's godless. So we destroy justifying ourselves. We destroy all of our arrogance, anything that's raised up against godlessness. And what does it say here? And take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's our aim, sister and brother. Because we're never going to do anything unless we think about it first. So what if we took all of our thoughts to Jesus? Jesus, is this an action that honors you? Is this godly? Is it right? Is it righteous? Jesus, will you green like this? Or God's word, will you green like this so I can move forward? Are you saying by your spirit, are you saying by your word that I don't need to say that or do that or act upon that? All right, you're caught up now. See, I could have preached that sermon in two and a half minutes last week instead of 30 minutes, but that's kind of what we talked about last Sunday. So let's go to the book of Romans together. Let's go to Romans chapter one together. New Testament book. Six books into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. Let's get to Romans chapter 1 together. And if you've been around Highland for a while, you will know that we will turn to Romans 1 and just hang out in Romans 1. This is where we're going to be. Now, as you turn there, let me give you a little forewarning. This is one of the heaviest passages in all of the scriptures. Because it's about our poor choices. Romans chapter 1 speaks of our depravity. So if you came to church today thinking, man, I don't want to hear anything intense you have chosen a terrible day to show up at church. This is intense. But it gives us a very clear picture of how the thoughts of our mind actually impact and affects everything else. Let's begin in verse 21. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. There's our operative word. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. There's a progression here, and I want you to see this progression. For you note takers, you don't have to write this down right now because we're going to unpack these thoughts that we see straight from Romans chapter 1. But here's the progression that we see. Distorted worship leads to distorted thinking, which leads to distorted passions, which then lead to distorted living. When I use the word distorted, I mean warped or, or twisted or, or deficient or, or unhealthy. I guess the other word I thought about using at some point this week was the word dysfunctional. So let me just let you see it in that, in that regard. Dysfunctional worship then leads to dysfunctional thinking, which leads to dysfunctional passions, which lead to dysfunctional living. Let's break each of those phrases down as we see them here in, in the first chapter of Romans. Here's what distorted worship is. Distorted worship is a small view of God. That's dysfunctional worship. That's twisted worship. That's distorted worship. When we have a small view of God. Okay, go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. It says here that they, they knew God, but they did not honor him as God. So that they knew about him. They, they knew his name. They knew his ability. They might have even known his, his character, but they did not honor him as God. This speaks of the small estimation they had of God. This, this speaks of them seeing God as incapable, as, as limited, as, as vulnerable. So if you think God is not to be honored, if you think that God is not to be feared, you will not worship him. In fact, you will have a small view of God and you'll be very hesitant to worship a small God. Your worship of him will be distorted if you have a small view of him. I mean, family, our knees should shake just a little bit when we are in his presence. And I know through Christ, we should have confidence as we approach him. But listen, confidence does not equal carelessness. We should shake just a little bit. If we don't shake, if we're not in awe, if we don't fear his name, I would say maybe we have a small view of God, which means we have a distorted worship before us. Look what Paul wrote. Go back to verse 20. I know we didn't read verse 20. Verse 20 says, for his invisible attributes, this is speaking of God, for God's invisible attributes, we're going to hear two of them, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. We see here God has eternal power. God has, verse 20, this divine nature. In other words, God is not some foggy concept. He's the king. And if you think him small, your worship will be small. It'll be half-hearted. You'll only worship him on Sunday mornings or only worship him when things are going well in your life. Here's distorted worship. We see this also. It means having an ungrateful heart. Verse 21 again, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, nor did they in this worship give thanks to him. Verse 21, they did not give thanks to God. Arrogance is thinking that everything that we have, we worked for. Everything that we have, somehow we deserve Somehow we have earned worship is this absolute understanding that everything I have comes from the hand of God's grace. Distorted worship is I earned it. 
true worship is everything I have comes from his hand and I am grateful. Look at verse 28. I know we did not read verse 28 either, but look at that little phrase there in verse 28. They did not see fit to acknowledge God. Wow. They didn't even see fit to even acknowledge God. It's an ungrateful heart that says, I don't even acknowledge that God has provided everything that I have. And here's the other part of distorted worship. It's a flipped focus. There's a word that's used twice in both of these verses. Let me let you figure that out. You'll find it very quickly. Look at verse 23. Let me just read it to you. This is that flipped focus of, of distorted worship. Verse 23, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images that just resembled mortal man or images that resembled birds and animals and, and creeping things. Verse, verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. So verse 23, they exchanged the glory. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served, not just worship, but served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I'm sure you picked up on that word. It's the word exchanged. It, it, was, it was a flipping. They, they now worshiped and adored and honored things that God made more than God himself. And maybe it was an animal. Maybe it was a, a constellation. Maybe it was an idol. We even see here, maybe it was just mortal man that they were, they were worshiping another person. Definitely the worship of self because all of those are creations of God. And you may say today, Durham, that's my last name, Durham, I, I don't think I've flipped my worship. I don't think the focus of, of, of my worship has flipped at all. Here's the question I would ask you. Here, here's, here's the question for you. What do you give your time to? What do you daydream about? What do you give your money to? What do you give your thoughts to? Who has your heart? What has your heart? Because the answer to that is what you worship. What you give yourself to. Let's go back and read verse 21. You see it on the screen behind me. Verse 21, one more time. For although they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. So here's a little second phrase then. Distorted worship then leads to distorted thinking. Look at that little phrase there in verse 21. They became futile in their thinking. That word futile right there is the only time this particular Greek word is used in all the New Testament. Only one time. It's right here. And it has a really big meaning. Here's what it means. It means to be a fool because of your ego. It means to be worthless in your thinking because of your arrogance. It means dead end, worthless, foolish thinking. In fact, we see that in verse 22. Bible's still open, verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they just became fools. I don't know about you, but the last type of thinking I need in my life is foolish thinking. Because there's just too much at stake. I mean, relationships and your testimony, your, your future... Well, what people understand about God because of the way that we live our lives, so much is at, at stake when it comes to our thinking, our daily decisions, your thoughts of God, eternity itself. So what then is distorted thinking? Some of this is implied. Some of this is very explicit in this passage. Here's the first thing. Distorted thinking is, here, this is distorted thinking. I can live without God. I mean, just as I say that out loud, for most of us in this room, we should think immediately, that's dysfunctional thinking. That's, that, that's disordered thinking. That's distorted thinking. I can live without God. That's the person that says, I can do this. 
I can collect all my abilities, all my intellect, all my power, all my self-discipline, and I can do life without God. Oh, that's, that's distorted. In fact, that's terrifying to me. It's dangerous. Distorted thinking is I can live with no consequences. You see, that's, that's dysfunctional thinking for us. That's distorted thinking for us. I can live life with no consequences. I can make any decision I want to make. I can live my life however I want to live my life. And there'll be no repercussions for that. No fallout, no consequences. But you see, that's pushing back on the set laws of God. Where God has already said, you can find this over in the book of Galatians chapter 6. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For what a man sows, so shall he reap. If he sows of the flesh, he will reap destruction. But if he sows of the spirit, he will reap life that lasts forever. Distorted thinking is I can live without God. Distorted thinking is I can live with no consequences. And then how about this? This is pretty heavy here. God is unconcerned about my purity and about my body. That is distorted, upside down, unbiblical Thinking. This is distorted thinking that God is unconcerned with my purity and with my body. In fact, let me say, Christian, it is the height of arrogance for us to say, God, this is my body and I can do whatever I want to with it. Christ follower, when you turned your life over to Jesus, you turned your body over to Jesus. And in case you're thinking this is really harsh preaching, let me give you something really beautiful to think about. And when you did that, your body became the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this body that you have is not your own. In fact, it's been purchased by a price, a very precious price, I might add. The blood of Christ. And so it's distorted thinking to say that God is unconcerned with my purity and, and with, with my body. In fact, the full context here in Romans chapter 1 is speaking specifically about the sinfulness of homosexuality. Verse 26 and, and verse 27. That, that women exchanged a natural relationship with a man and began to chase after or pursue sexually women. Men, they exchanged, that they passed on the natural relationship with a woman and they began to pursue men. So this is the context here. It's speaking specifically about the unrighteousness of homosexuality. But, but generally, what this passage is talking about is the sinfulness of using our bodies for dishonorable passions, for shameful, dishonorable passions. In fact, you see that phrase, if your Bible's still open there in verse 26, for dishonorable passions. Now, stay with me here. All of that twisted thinking begins with twisted worship. All of that dysfunctional, disordered thinking, it begins with dysfunctional, disordered worship where you think God is small and there's no gratitude before him that you've flipped your allegiances, you have flipped your focus on the creature instead of the creator. Here's the third thing we see. Distorted worship leads to distorted thinking, which then leads to distorted passions. So it begins with worship, then it comes here to our mind, now begins to, to settle into our hearts. Your Bible's still open, verse 21. I know we looked at this several times now, but just kind of start there in the middle of verse 21. They became futile in their thinking. Look at the rest of this. And their foolish hearts were darkened. It means their hearts were obscured. In fact, the word here in Greek is the same word for eclipse. There was no more light coming in. No more truth coming in. 
In other words, if you're futile in your, in your thinking, you begin to be distorted in, in your passions or futile in your passions as well. In other words, your heart can't see straight. Your heart can't feel clearly. It's a confused heart that has confused and, and unhealthy desires because the heart is the seat of our desires. The heart is the, the driving force behind our, our passions and our emotions. We see it again here in verse, verse 24. Here's that, that same word. Therefore God gave them up or turned them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity. There's that word heart again. The heart is the seat of emotions. It's the driver of our passions. And, and it's twisted. It becomes dysfunctional if our thinking is dysfunctional, which becomes dysfunctional if our worship is dysfunctional. We see it in verse 26. I know it pointed out. I know it's not even our passage today. But just that little phrase there, dishonorable passions. And how, let's just be really honest with one another today. These are some bleak words in Scripture. Darkened, verse 21, which means confused. Darkened hearts. Lust, verse 24, which means that we're longing for the things forbidden by God. Dishonorable, verse 26, shameful things, sick things, shameful passions, sick passions. And all of us know in this room, we will do what our heart tells us to do. That's the scariest thing about our heart of ours. We will follow our heart. It's, it's, a, it's a tragic thing, no matter all the Disney songs, it's a tragic thing to follow your heart. Because our hearts can be very wicked, especially if our thinking is very futile, which is going to happen when our worship is dysfunctional and distorted. Distorted worship leads to distorted thinking, which leads to distorted passions. So what we need to do is train our heart by training our thinking, by training our worship. Here's the fourth thing. Distorted worship then leads to distorted thinking, which leads to distorted passions, which lead to distorted living. And we see it right here in the, in the middle of verse 24, a really powerful phrase that speaks to, to, to life, to living everyday life. Verse 24, the very middle there, the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. That they lived with other people, but they dishonored themselves. They dishonored their bodies, and everybody saw that. In other words, they lived below their inheritance. They lived below God's design. They lived below God's perfect will. They lived below God's pleasing will. They lived below God's image. Instead, they just lived with self-centeredness. They had such disdain for God and for his designs for their bodies and for their sexuality and for God's design on how they could live in victory and live in joy. Listen, their lives became this big celebration of themselves. Has anything described our nation more than that? We're just one big celebration of ourselves. Living was centered on their own bodies. And can I tell you as a 51-year-old, these bodies of ours decay more and more day after day. How sad that we would build our lives upon our bodies. That we think we can do whatever we want to do with this life, this body that God has given us. Their lives became a sad celebration of themselves. I assume you woke up this morning. Well, I know you woke up this morning. I assume you woke up this morning to get to church. Because there's something in you. I think, I think it's God's spirit. 
the, the Holy Spirit, maybe even for those who aren't believers, there's just eternity is in your heart and you want to know more about eternity and about the one who made you. I think most of us in this room, most watching, most in the chapel today, you want to live a life that's right. I mean, you want to live a life that's honorable. I think most in this place, you want to, want to live a life that, that counts. How do you get there? We need to back up and talk about your passions, your, your heart, the, the driver of, 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 of your emotions, the passions inside of you. But to get those right, to live a life, a, a life that is right and is honorable, you need to back up even before the passions, before the heart, and think about your thinking. Like right thinking, Jesus honoring thinking, that, that's where it begins almost to get into a life that is right and honorable, to passions that are right, that are honorable, thinking that is right and honorable will only come, listen, huge, from worship that is right. Having a big view of God and a big heart of gratitude and constantly taking inventory of your heart. Have I flipped my focus? Am I worshiping the creation or even the creature instead of the creator? Distorted worship will lead to distorted thinking every time. Which leads to distorted passions in your heart. Which leads to a very dysfunctional life. But begins with worship. Would you stand with me please and let's pray together. Father, thank you for the accuracy of your word to us today. I feel it in this room. It's a heavy word. I think it's heavy, God, because it's correcting. Would you forgive us that we have made our lives just one big sad celebration of ourselves? For some reason, we think living is centered on, on our bodies that are just kind of falling apart day by day. God, by your grace, would you help us to to worship rightly, purely. Worship with thanksgiving, having a, a large estimation of who you are. In fact, our minds can't even comprehend the large estimation of who you are. God, by your grace, would you help us with our thinking that we would stop being think-do people. That by your grace, would you help us to be think-stop, do-or-don't-do people. God, would you refine the passions in our lives? God, if they are filled with lust, things that we long for that are forbidden by your word, God, would you replace that with the longing for your presence, the longing for righteousness, a longing for your word? Because God, we want our lives to count. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can I tell you, Highland, that Worship is so much more than singing, but it's not any less than singing. And so we have an opportunity, even to this next song, to express to God a right view of him. A functional time of worship. We see him as, as large, as, as huge, as immeasurable. As we sing this song, can I encourage you just to allow your heart to be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving for all that he's done, all that he has given, all that he has provided. And ask the Lord, God, have I flipped my focus? 
Is my heart set on your creation? Is my heart set on your creatures? Or is my heart set on you, my creator? What an incredible few moments the Lord has provided for us as we get to sing to him. Let's do that now.